Hey, welcome to a quick bite from Zombie World, where we're all about zombie movies, TV shows, books, comics, cosplay, decorations, all of zombie culture in fact and fiction. But this isn't a full episode, oh no. This is just a quick bite. One little thing we just had to get out before the next big digest of the living dead. This time it's a chat about episode two of The Walking Dead, Daryl Dixon, available on AMC and through Amazon. Samantha Luck and I, oh, I'm Brad Munson, we had a sit down and talked about it right after we watched it on Sunday, and here's what we had to say. I was actually more entertained by the second episode. I mean, I don't expect a whole lot from a pilot, especially if it's a spinoff, because they're already assuming that you know the characters to some degree. Well, and then they got to set up the new deal. Look, I'm in Paris. Look, I'm in France. Look at all this stuff. You know, there was a lot of info dump in the first one. Yeah. Other than the sword wielding nun, the pilot didn't grab me as much as this episode did. Yeah. But at the same time... (laughs) I hope it doesn't become like The Walking Dead became before they kind of settled down and started making their own civilizations again. It was like, you know, each episode or couple of episodes, they passed through another faction or a town or whatever community, and then you'd meet these characters and then they move on. And you'd meet another one and they move on. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like in the early days of X Files, they would do what they called Monster of the Week. You know, there wouldn't be any overarching plot. It would just be, oh, this is the clone that can make cars explode. And this is the half swamp creature that lives in the basement. And this, and they had no connection. Whichever. Did you ever watch Supernatural? Mm-hmm. For the first few seasons, I got really bored with it. But yeah. That's kind of how it was. There are several episodes throughout the series where you could introduce somebody to Supernatural, which is that episode out of context, because there's no reference to anything else in the overarching storyline that they would have to know to enjoy it. Anyway, I wanted to do a real quick recap. Episode two here of six, Daryl leaves the nunnery with two nuns and a little boy. With Laurent. The nuns' names are now Isabel and Sylvie. Mm -hmm. I finally figured those out. And they end up losing their mule to a bunch of walkers. So they have to... It was walker bait. (laughs) And they end up stopping at a devastated preschool that is inhabited entirely by... Abandoned children of the apocalypse. Yes. It immediately rang two different bells for me. One is an ancient episode of the original Star Trek. You and Star Trek. (laughs) Called Miri. Kirk goes to a planet that looks like Earth. One of those weird parallel planets they always run into. A disease had killed all adults. There were only kids left. And they had their own little society. Yes. And then one of the Mad Max movies, they find a little society that's living in a notch in the ground, in like a valley. And all that's left are children. Yeah. And that particularly because they have a whole thing there where they have a bamboo frame that they've built and people do little plays inside of it. And they talk about the video. Ah, that's just like the kids with... With Mork and Mindy, which I really liked, but it was so reminiscent. He's like, seen this, done it before. It's still spooky, but not new. Yeah, there, there was that, and then there was a movie about it that was something else, but it was basically the same premise. But anyway, yeah, we got these kids in a preschool, and it was all the kids that were left behind. Nobody came and picked them up. It's everybody riffing off Lord of the Flies, Yeah, basically. It right. all starts there. Some better than others. So they get it, they go there. Laurent makes friends, kind of. Laurent makes friends. Daryl lies to them because he wants to go to the castle nearby that has all the... There's a lot of lying in this. Yeah, it's one of the things I want to talk about. But he goes there. They stay there for a while. Ultimately, he goes to the castle with the 
girl, maybe 14-year-old girl. Ultimately, he goes to this other castle, which is basically one guy. American. Yeah, American. And he finds one of their kids locked in the basement there. That was missing. Hedgehog. (laughs) (laughs) That was cute. Frees him, gets the stuff, goes back. By the time they get there, the old woman is dead. And he gets his horse and Sylvie and Isabel and Laurent, Daryl, leave. Oh, also Father Daryl. <laughs> yes, Father Daryl. And in between, we also get a bunch of flashbacks about Isabel in Paris on the day of the outbreak. And she's a pickpocket and some kind of criminal type who manages to get out of town with her pregnant sister. Her and her pimp or ex. <laughs> I want to talk about Quinn for a second because that's his name, Quinn. Mm-hmm. That actor ironically played a stowaway or imposter and terror about the hms terror oh ironically it's almost like he's playing that same type of persona because they find out you're not that guy he used to ship with us all the time who are you you know and he ends up being a plot device because they're all paranoid on the terror so he kills people and makes it sound like it's this monster and it's all this stuff yeah i really feel like them casting him in that role means that we're going to see more of Quinn because it seems really silly to pull him out of the hat. I agree. I did not recognize him as the guy from from the terror, which, by the way, is an excellent book as well. Yeah. But I thought that series was great. I did too. But the thing is, there was another place that was just kind of a dropped scene. You know, she pickpockets the, the keys from him, which makes sense now that we know her backstory, puts her sister in and drives away. And he just kind of looks at it. It was really weird. Yeah, it was almost like, I wonder what she's up to. It wasn't like he was mad. It wasn't like, I'm going to get you. It was just like, uh huh. He doesn't punch somebody else and steal their car and chase her or anything, nothing. You know? If he did, we don't see it. I mean, yeah. No, it was a very limp and weird reaction, which I would agree implies that we're going to see him again. But that was all in flashback. So we're now wondering 10, 12 years, more than 12 years into the future from that moment. And we discover that Laurent is, in fact, the baby of her sister who died in childbirth. And he was not turned into a walker. He was apparently fine, which may be the reason that they think of him as some kind of messiah because he was born out of the walker. We don't really know why. And she dies literally in childbirth, but she looked sick before she even got. She'd been bitten back at the ambulance that they ran into. So she was turning pretty fast. But the strain of it, she died right. in childbirth and then almost immediately turned into a walker, which was also a very nice scene, which is one thing just overall. This thing is beautifully produced. It's the nicest design. Yes. Walking Dead, way better than Dead City. <laughs> I mean, just to look at. It's just much more interesting, better shot, better acted. So anyway, that's the basic plot. And none of the characters from the preschool go with them. It's just four of them in, four of them out. Nope. Overall, I had a lot of little questions and little problems. I enjoyed it. I still think it's way better than Dead City in a lot of ways. I must say, I do enjoy Daryl's suspenders. Those are nice. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people enjoy his suspenders. But among my many questions is these ancient guns that they're using, they're blunderbusses and- I know. (laughs) I was just thinking about that. Since when did we switch? (laughs) And the- Raiders that come in, you know, the the tattooed guy that comes in, all of them have got ancient weapons, too. I'm assuming that it's because you can literally put anything inside of the barrel and use anything as a bullet, because that was always an issue in The Walking Dead, was that 
you know, you needed somebody to be able to, to basically mint their own bullets and it was hard to do. They didn't have the equipment didn't have the stuff. So that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Is the I, reason. I, again, we're back to the same problem. I would buy that in the first couple of years, but 12 years in, we managed back in the Commonwealth. They, you know, they seem to have endless supplies of ammo for modern weaponry. And then now they need gunpowder. And <laughs> up north in uh, in Le Havre, uh, they've got enough engineering to make whole ships run. Right. And to convert cars, somebody's making bullets here and they're not making, you know, where you have to ram the powder down the barrel for one more round. Yeah. How would that help you against zombies anyway? If it's not a, a repeater, you're, you might as well use a... Hacksaw. <laughs> you know, it, it's like in some ways it makes sense, and then in other ways it doesn't. Because right, you're, you're going to get one shot off, and then that's it. But aren't you really using them just to shoot people? Wasn't the agreement that we're going to shank the walkers? Why would ammo be such a problem if you're just going to use it to shoot people? <laughs> well, and and when Daryl gives his long gun, whatever that thing is, to Hedgehog, he has to show him how to load it. He's got twelve shots, you know, big right. long shotgun shells, and it takes. 30 seconds to reload it after a single shot. That's not going to do a, your, your, your aim is the shit. Not against zombies, but people. Anyway, I thought that that's just weird. They also are incredibly inaccurate. And that's something that they don't show you in the walking dead is how inaccurate those guns are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, for that matter, the, that's why it doesn't make any sense other than, yeah, no. just a uh, resourceful well, ammo. <laughs> all that stuff bothers me. Here's some of my other things. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the fact that Isabel is the aunt of Laurent, but it just seems kind of, I don't know, unnecessary. But why doesn't she tell him? Why is it a secret that she's the aunt? I think maybe she was, uh, he was maybe told that. Here's the other thing. This is actually probably Laurent's first experience being bullied by other children because they fed him some kind of story about his birth. And I don't remember exactly what they said. And for spoiler reasons, that's probably a good thing. But he goes on this whole uh, biblical style story about how he came to be and who his father was, a hero. He got a medal. Oh, yeah. Who is a uh, member of the French Foreign Legion and all this other yes. stuff. Yes. All of this stuff. And the kids just burst out laughing. They're like, they lied to you, yeah. bro. And it, well, I, was, I wasn't sure whether they had lied to him or whether Laurent made that whole thing up from Count of Monte Cristo and other crap. Well, why would – I guess why would he? To impress the kids. But you're right. This mm. is his first encounter with children his own age ever. And his reaction to them was much like a kid who had been around other kids before, mm -hmm. maybe even been bullied before. I didn't get any sense this was new to him or that he was alien to this. But suddenly there are 20 kids his age around, a guy who'd never been around kids. Except for the very beginning yeah. of the dinner where he goes to sit and the boy tells him off because that's his brother's seat. Yeah, and then shoots him in the head. And right. there's that whole backstory of they do see his brother later on and he's actually a walker. Laurent, I'm thinking, was probably told some kind. He was staying with nuns. Lord. So Immaculate Conception was probably a, a whole, you know, when he asked where he came from, who his dad was. Yeah, something like that. And I'm assuming that because they've lied to him for this long, that it's why she hasn't revealed her actual relationship to him. Yeah, so she's lying too, if only it's just a lie of omission. Yes. By not telling her backstory to him, even though, you know, they're 
blood related. Obviously, Daryl lies about saving the old woman just so he can go get his. Even though he still gets the medicine for her. And it doesn't matter. It never mattered. He knew it didn't matter, but I think he did it because. First off, he doesn't know why she's dying. She could very well have an infection where penicillin might save her. So he doesn't really know. Well, you look, took one look, look at that old lady. Was yeah, like, nope. I just, I mean, <laughs> we don't really know. We never know. Looked like she was in a coma. But Daryl confesses that it was never going to save her. I lied to you. And she just kind of, the, the girl just kind of shrugs. Yeah, and she shrugs it off. Because she also lied about other things. She understood. But the thing is, he didn't need to tell her that. It's Father Daryl. He had an out there. He, he had to teach a lesson. He, he could he could have kept his mouth shut because, well, if only she had lived a little longer, maybe we could have saved him. I mean, he could have kept his heroic illusion going, but he confesses unnecessarily. And their response is, well, I think this kind of goes back to, and and we didn't really talk about this too much, is how Daryl, how they ended up in this place was they were shooting at Daryl. And Daryl went to go chase one of those guys down that were shooting and gets surrounded. They knock him out and... Eventually, you know, the, the nuns and Laurent catch up to him, but they were very suspicious of Daryl for whatever reason. Right. I mean, right. he, probably because he retaliated, but you don't know if they were tipped off by somebody or if they knew who he was. And then the nuns say that, you know, this is Father Daryl. He's American. And they ask them to prove it by reciting a prayer that the nuns know in French. So their excuse was he doesn't speak French. And even um, they say 12 years, doesn't speak French. What? Yeah. It's like, right. And the, right. And the response is Americans. And they all speak English, yeah. but pretty well. <laughs> and not only that, but they speak English when there are no Americans around. Yes. That one line about as a courtesy, we'll practice our English. Yeah. The next day you're out in the forest with your best friends and you're still speaking English. <laughs> It's like, uh, again, I think they're as usual with this show and with all Walking Dead, there are lots of lazy decisions made, a lot of convenient things that you're just supposed to kind of skip over in the way that they've conceived this. And as you and I have talked about before, we can't really talk much about the world here, the worldview they're building, because Cause we don't know. They've broken all the rules. There are fast zombies now. There's burners versus the hungry versus who knows. You know, we don't have any idea. The burners, which were the lurkers, which ambush, like now we have ambush zombies, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. They're thinking at some level. And there's some illusion that they might be creating them on that ship at the end of the first episode, because they were talking about uh, Daryl destroying the research and all this stuff. Like what research? So there's definitely like a... Well, and the title sequence too, you can see documents, drawings, anatomical drawings of the zombies and and pointing things and notes and the rest, all of which implies that either they're messing with them or they created them. And apparently, though I didn't watch it, the only Walking Dead series I have not watched is World Beyond, the one with the kids. I just couldn't get into it. Me either. And, but apparently at the very end, there is a scene there that talks about how the virus was created in Paris, in France. Oh, okay. So it's like ground zero for the... So that may explain some of this stuff. But that's one scene at the end of the least popular Walking Dead spinoff that's been gone for two years. Yes. Yeah, so, so regular fans may not even have any idea that that happened. It's a deep dive. And I read that in like 
the endless crap that's coming out, but that's a deep damn. And guy. at the same time, it's just like it, we all are asking, why is that why Rick and Michonne would want Daryl to go there? Is that what we're doing? Like to figure out what this was, where it came from? Why is he here? We know it's not to go on a spiritual journey. <laughs> it's really like so far, it's been Daryl finding himself in Paris. Yes, and it, and it, there was a weird unevenness in this script as well, in that. Like that scene you mentioned at the dinner table with all the kids, that was absolutely charming. It was. And when they watched the movie together, the kids on the bike to make it work. Yeah, all of that thing, that was great. And then they don't do anything at all with his relationship between that young leader girl. That's kind of what I'm hoping. Like, I I hope that they do not continue on that. On the monster of the week, right? That. It's just, we're going to pass on through. Why spend all this time character development and building relationships if they're not going to come across them again? Well, and there were a couple of scenes to me that were missing there. For one thing, we don't actually see Daryl say goodbye to the leader girl. No. He killed with her. He, you know, they'd done the raid together. They had some kind of, there should have been like a, a lesson yeah, there, like a little, at least a little talk. Two or three lines even to get a sense of, what was going on, but it was like, yeah, I'll see you. Bye. And by the same token, Laurent says, I want to stay here with my friends. Yeah, he's mad. He doesn't want to go. And then weirdly, Sylvie, who seems to have no real function yet, the second nun, she says, no, come with us now. And he goes, okay. <laughs> I, I'm assuming she was kind of like a babysitter, teacher, nanny. When he, I guess. That's why they took her. I just thought her. it was weird that there was no real... There would have been a great place for a scene where he doesn't really want to go and he's forced to, or the kids say, no, you have to go with them. There was, you know, whatever. Yeah. And again, not an elaborate He just relented. Thing. Yeah, he just shrugged basically and went with them. And then that leads to Daryl's little, you know, pep talk because he doesn't want to ride with them now. He's yeah, walking yeah, yeah. in front of the carriage. But it's just, it, it was weird. <laughs> I almost felt like there were two different sets of writers. One wrote the whole preschool sequence in there that was really cool. And then you had the other guys come in and do the whole castle thing, yes. which, again, my last big problem with this, well, two parts. So they go to this castle. The implication is that the guys up in the castle have been raiding and successfully taking everything from everybody. All of taking everything in, in the village. Yeah, from everyone. It's one guy, yeah. one old guy. They don't even mention that. There used to be a bunch of others that have all been turned or disappeared. And it makes me think that there probably were because you see where uh, Hedgehog was being kept and that was like a bedroom. So this this place he's in could house many people. Yeah, but there's no mention. It seems like there's one guy. There's not many people there. <laughs> yeah. The second question is, why did he let Hedgehog live? What was the point of locking that kid in the basement? Yeah, what, we'll never know because now he's dead. Yeah. And, and, and they'll, they'll, again, they'll never go a back. line or two in there in that sequence saying, there used to be a lot more people. Um, I locked that stupid kid in the basement. I was going to bargain to get more stuff from them. You know, whatever. I mean, but there's nothing. It's they like, insinuated that he was uh, almost like a pervert. Um, that's kind of what Hedgehog said. Like, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna kill him. Well, what were you? Well, he just said, I didn't touch him. I never touched the kid. (laughs) Yeah. But there's no reason that Hedgehog should still have been alive. There's no way that that one old guy with apparently just one weapon, I don't, it just, again, it seems sloppy to me to get to the castle. I mean, the moat with the zombies was a good idea. But then it's also like, where the hell did you get all these zombies at? <laughs> yeah. Again, if they had said, those are my ex-guys. Is that where they've been this whole time? <laughs> you know, and that's all I can do with them now. But again, no right. mention. And then the question is, 
the leader girl who's so excellent with the bow, if all you had to do was sneak up onto the property of one guy and use your arrows to kill the zombies in the moat, you could have come here and done that any old time. Uh, there's a lot. Uh, I, mean, I don't know about all that. That's a, that's a far fetch. Well, my, that's my a lot of arrows, is... a lot of zombies. My problem with that scene was they both end up in the pit and the old man gets torn apart, of course, and Daryl's down there and some of the oxygen or gas tanks fell down and he shoots them. There are clearly walkers behind him. A lot of them. It's almost like they just stop. He shoots it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, everything around him is dead. And it's like, how... How? And then and, and the, <laughs> the walkers are down for a while. He wakes up before they do. And then they start right. to get up again. And the other ones that weren't hit are way yeah. back. When you can clearly see from where he was shooting, they were right behind <laughs> him. Like they should, if they got taken out, he should have been taken out. It's like the the one guy fighting 10 other guys with swords where none of them will hold back so he can fight one at a time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like all of the stereotypical Kung Fu movies. And, exactly. and even the walking dead is guilty of this. I mean, like it's not that big of a deal. We we're used to it as an audience, but that was just, that was probably the most sloppy action sequence in that entire episode. I agree. And again, it was like, did you even try to come up with some clever way that Daryl would like, maybe he only fell halfway down and he managed to lift his legs while the other American gets at or was getting eaten. But no, let's go for the jaws, blow up the propane tanks bit. You know, the whole thing was just, again, it was weird. Some of the nicest scenes we've seen so far juxtaposed with some of the sloppiest action sequences and plot holes of the whole time, many of which would have been very easy to fix with a line of dialogue here or there. It seems like they're trying to do too much for the time slot of the episode. And that's one of those things where it's like, you know, we've all kind of been spoiled by being able to binge watch and see the, the whole series at once and get a full picture of what's going on. And sometimes with a lot of these and so far with the spinoffs, I almost feel like, why don't you just make it a movie? Good point. Why don't you just make it like a two and a half hour long movie and it could be Daryl in Paris, the movie or Rick and Michonne, the movie, even if it's just for the network, you know, not in theaters thing, but it would work. And then we wouldn't have this time constraint and then everything's so spaced out and juxtaposed and flashbacks. And it's just, it's too much for the audience trying to put together. With all that was going on, we've got the the pirate, you know, the ship that they're, that they're looking which we didn't hear anything about in this episode. Nope. So for all we know, she's still there. Yeah, and we've got the Laurent <laughs> story going on. What, what's he all about? You've got the relationship between Isabel and Daryl going on. And yeah. then whatever Daryl's reason for being there in the first place, good old Joe Bob Briggs, who actually did a commentary on Daryl Dixon. Uh, one, you can watch it on Shudder. And he has an interview with Nicotero and some others. But he had a thing he used to say a, a lot when he was referring to the horrible drive-in movies he would review. There's just way too much plot here. <laughs> it's like... Right. There's just too much going... Like, it's bound to get screwed up. It's bound to get confusing because there's just too much overlapping. Or, or dropped. And yeah. Like, you know, I have a feeling we're not going to hear anything more about the reason Daryl 
give a crap about getting to Europe until the very end of the six as a cliffhanger for the next season. Because as of right now, we have two, two antagonists. I mean, basically, mm-hmm. uh, you have that faction that was after him that raided the nunnery and killed a bunch right. of people. Right, exactly. I forgot about and that. And then you have her. Well, yeah. he pissed them off because of just, just like, coming on shore. <laughs> right. So he's got the pirate lady. And he's Tattoo got two guy. Uh, and then you've got the quest with the boy and on and on. It's like this would be a season, a full on season of a regular series, you know, 16, 12, right. 16, 18 episodes. They're doing this in six and we've already seen two. So <laughs> there's basically four hours left. Right. So it's like, how much yeah. more are you are you going to cram in here? And at the end, it's going to be her. Yeah, I understand A and B and even C stories when you're looking at a whole season. But that's 20 episodes or 16 or even 12. Yes. A standard TV show. <laughs> this is six. And I really wish for a lot less plot and a lot more straight linearity. Give me two. Give me, if you have to, give me the kid's quest and give me the guys chasing him and, and be done. The weird thing about Daryl Dixon is that it could be a lot worse. It could be as bad as Dead City. Yeah. <laughs> or World Beyond. If we had been doing weekly things for Dead City, by the end of the second one, we would have said, yeah, let's just check in when it's over. I'm done. I mean, there wasn't enough on a weekly basis to make it even interesting to talk about. There's maybe too much, but there's enough going on in Daryl Dixon that, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to next Sunday's third episode and to see where they take it. And that that yeah. considering how low my expectations were after <laughs> after <laughs> Dead City, that's nice. That's good to see. And again, the acting throughout for all these characters, no matter how little they're given to do, has really been pretty good, with the exception of Laurent, who I can barely stand. And yeah, let's get back here a week from now and talk through episode three of Daryl Dixon, American in Paris. One of the last Americans in Paris Dead now. American in Paris. Not gay Paris, but dead Paris. <laughs> well, I'll see. Okay, that was great. Talk to you later. Talk a bit. Okay, that's it for this little quick bite from Zombie World. Expect more of these unexpected drop-ins before our next big episode, and look for those big digests of the living dead on the first and third Fridays of every month. In between, of course, there's new content on our website, zombieworld.net, and on our social media at Instagram, Threads, Twitter for the moment, and TikTok, where you'll find us always under the same name, Zombie World Net. And you can always buy anything we talk about over on zombiegiftguide.com. Take a look at either or both. It's what all the cool kids are doing these days. Thanks for checking in. Stay in touch, stay safe, and as Samantha Luck would tell you, don't get bit.